0: It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. This week, we're talking with Rachel Jepson-Wolf, author of Herbal Adventures and her newest work, The Unplugged Family Activity Book. Rachel has a degree in environmental education and biology, and she uses that to help kids and adults fall in love with the natural world. She's also the founder of Lusa Organics, a a botanical Body Care Company, which she runs out of rural Wisconsin. Thanks for talking with me today, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, before we get to the book, I would love to hear about your homestead, what your garden looks like, so that our listeners can follow along from your perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very much an imperfect gardener, but I love the journey. Um, we are in rural southwestern Wisconsin, um, and so it's not... It's not what most people picture when they picture stereotypical Wisconsin. Um, this corner of the state was never glaciated, so there are these deep valleys and rolling hills and ridges and caves and rocky outcroppings. It's really a, a unique um, part of the state. And so our land is about 42 acres, and it goes from ridge top to valley bottom where there's a winding Creek, uh, spring fed Creek, and then it goes back up to the Ridge. So we have, we have goat prairie and old pastures and farm fields. Um, and we have about half of that is woods. And then our garden we've sort of wrangled in because uh, as you can tell by my description, there's really no flat land here anywhere. So the garden is, Precariously perched on a hillside, and <laughs> you know, we've done our best with you know creating some terraced beds and a hugel culture bed and some you know raised box beds, things like that. Um, And so that's, that's what the world looks like over this way. We kept sheep and goats until a few years ago. And so, you know, they helped us a little bit with our land management and now, now they're, they're out of our, our family farm equation, but we grow medicinal herbs, garden vegetables. Um, That's, that's our main focus.
0: Nice. Wow. I don't know what I'd do with 42 acres, even if half of it were wooded. Still, that's a lot. I've, I'm like, have my dream of, you know, two acres is just the right size. But I imagine you have to. Uh, protect your crops from all the
1: wildlife that's nearby? Absolutely. Um, Because our garden's quite a ways from the edge of the woods uh, and we have, we have a dog who spends a lot of time outside. We don't worry about it too much, but we fence it to, you know, keep the dog out and the chickens and therefore by default, the other critters who are roaming our farm after nightfall. Oh, and you, do you still have chickens? We have chickens, yeah, we have chickens and, um, and quail, but no, no grazers anymore. Got it,
0: nice. Well, it sounds like a, a well-rounded uh, environment to raise kids in, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been great. We're pretty
0: fortunate. Now, Fairwind's Publishing sent me a copy of your new book, the Unplugged Family Activity Book, and I found it refreshing. And for all just you know, for uh, purposes of, of full disclosure, I do not have kids, and I found this book really interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was perfectly time for the pandemic too, because. Everyone's stuck at home and needs things to do to keep the kids busy but you were obviously thinking about this topic well before lockdown so how did this book come about for you
1: so I started blogging over a decade ago uh, just as a way of documenting our journey as a family we're homeschoolers I have two kids who are now 18 and um, at the cusp of 14 and we've homeschooled them since the start and so I I used the blog for a long time to just document our journey as as a family, as business owners, as homeschoolers. And I found that when I would share stories about these simple, everyday activities that I do with my kids and have always done with my kids, that it was really engaging for my audience, that they wanted to know more and they wanted ideas. Um, We also celebrate the seasons as a family. And so I divided this book up by seasons. Um, I wanted it to be a book that appealed to any sort of family. Um, We're a secular family, and we've struggled to find books that encourage us to get out there and celebrate that aren't religious. And and this book can kind of tick all the boxes regardless of what else you celebrate. Um, So I divided it by season. I included seasonal celebrations that are just a way to celebrate family and community and nature and your garden. And it's just a I don't know. I think of it as just a book that documents the way we've lived as a family and that you don't need a lot of special supplies or materials or expensive equipment to just dive in and explore nature and your backyard together.
0: Yeah, it's true. And the book has some really great ideas, some simple, some that are more of a commitment. And I particularly love that it's divided by season. That was one of the things that really drew me in uh, because it really anchors the reader to what's happening in nature at any given time during the year. And now that we're in fall, uh, I would love to hear some of the activities that you share in the book for this season.
1: It's a uh, it's a pretty wide range that I've included. I start with an infused honey, so that's a kitchen project where you're using, you know, favorite spices out of your out of your kitchen cabinets and raw honey to make an infused honey that you can stir into tea. So that's something accessible to everyone wherever you live. Um, there's a, an autumn rainbow project where you gather fallen leaves and then create a visual rainbow of colors with younger kids. I. Included applesauce, an applesauce recipe, um, a gardening project of planting fall bulbs with your kids. And then there, like you said, there are more complex projects. There's a felted acorn necklace where you're using wool roving and an acorn cap to make a a felt acorn. So it's a real wide variety. And the chapter closes with a celebration suggestion, which is an abundant harvest gathering where you can get together with community members and trade, you know, a jar of your applesauce for a loaf of their sourdough bread. And, you know, that's something that I think so many of us are longing to do right now, but it's something to hold on to for another season.
0: Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And I see, of course, the listeners can't see this, but you have a copy of Flour, Water, Salt, and Yeast right behind you on the shelf. (laughs) And I am also a big sourdough bread fan. So this is that, it feels really good. So when people see your book, they'll be able to join in on that activity to share those kinds of things. (laughs) You mentioned the infused honey recipe. You've got other really great recipes in there, both edible and for play, like ice cream with berries or the, the mud pies in summer, which of course, triggers really great memories for me as a kid. They're really encouraging creativity in the season. But I have to ask you about the maple lollipop recipe in winter. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because this is something I can't do here without snow, but it's such a great idea. Please share that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can do it without snow. There is an adaptation for making a block of ice and using ice as your base for that. So um, so obviously growing up here in Wisconsin, we're we're in maple country. And every every February or March, we gather all our maple tapping supplies and we tap the three maple trees in our yard. And it's something that really sets the tempo of my family's emergence from winter into spring. It's a favorite thing that we do. And even with older teenagers, there's no stopping my kids from getting in there and participating. And once you've cooked down or If you purchase your own maple syrup, um, once you have maple syrup, you are basically cooking it down to reduce the moisture content and increase the sugar content. And as you know, that's basic candy making. So when you chill it, it turns to candy. And the way we do it is by drizzling it onto snow. Those who've read um, the Laura Ingalls Wilder books will remember that from, I think it was Little House in the Big Woods, um, that they made maple candy during maple cooking season. So we pour it over snow. You can make suckers, you can make candy, whatever you want to do with it. And it's just delicious. It's not a hard candy. It has a little bit of, you know, chewiness to it, and it tastes like everything you would dream it would taste like.
0: That's really cool. And I think, you know, you can take any kind of impression, you make an impression in the snow, in the shape of whatever it is you want the lollipop to look like. I thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I yeah. want to, now I it's want to really go to fun. the snow just to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know a lot of parents are fried at this point, and some of these projects require motivation. So what is your advice for folks who are trying to keep kids busy during these crazy times?
1: Yeah, there. this is a lot to juggle right now. And I guess the first thing I would say is, just be with that, that you're not going to get this right every day as a parent right now. Um, We're all carrying a lot more than we're meant to. So I think when we set out and we try to create this picture-perfect school-at-home world or a picture-perfect homeschooling world, it just crumbles in on us in a hurry. So I would start there. You're not going to do every project in this book. And that's totally okay. I would suggest starting with something that ticks the boxes for you and your kid. So if you hate crafting, but you love cooking, make applesauce. If you're all about the craft supplies and you want to, you know, just throw yourself in fully, then go for it and pick one of the more complex ones. But I tried to keep these simple, and I tried to offer alternatives if you don't have something on hand. So, for example, in the winter chapter, I share a paper window star tutorial where it's it's a paper folding craft. And you can get special kite paper that's translucent and lets the sun shine through. Or you can dig through your recycling bin and pull out, you know, your old telephone bill and use that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that. You don't need special materials for most of these projects. Start simple, start small, and start with something that you will enjoy as much as your child or your children will.
0: I think that's really important. Most people, well, women especially, we tend to go into sacrifice in order to make sure everybody else is happy. So I think that's a really key suggestion. All right, it is tip time. Is there a favorite tip that you would like to share with the Nerd audience?
1: Absolutely. And it circles back to the the last part of our conversation. Um, And and my tip is to embrace imperfection. I think if I had a motto for my life, that is it. Because when we try to get everything just right, um, we tend to end up more frustrated than um, satisfied by our experience. And so whether that's you know, parenting or homeschooling or schooling at home, or whether it's your garden fence or your garden rows, that allowing space for it to not be perfect and still be absolutely delightful is just about the best advice that I can muster and what I live by every day and what really honestly feeds my joy.
0: Thank you for saying that. Cause I am a perfectionist and it's really nice to hear that reinforced. Uh, there are a lot of perfectionists out there and I think the, the good enough garden is really the way to go, especially in this crazy time when people are having to deal with so many things. So thank you for that expert tip, Rachel, and thank you for being a guest on the gardener tip of the week podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a
0: joy. Yeah, sure. So how do people find you?
1: So you can find me on social media. I have um, an account for my sustainable skincare business, which is Lusa, L-U-S-A, organics. It's actually a botanical name for those who are curious. Lusa stands for lupin and sage, which are my kids' names. Uh, And so I'm Lusa Organics, and you can also find me on Instagram as Lusa Mama. Otherwise, LusaOrganics.com. Uh, Rachel Wolf is my blog and those should be a good start to get you there. Well, got it. Thank you, Rachel. All right, Garden Nerds, you'll find links to Rachel's new book and her
0: website on GardenNerd.com this week. We'll also post her blog or social media links and all that good stuff so you can follow her family adventures. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd One. On Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!